0: Well, thank you, Zach, and good morning. Lovely to see you this morning. Welcome, if it's your first time to Willow Park Church, we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you joined us. If you've got a teenager with you, Katrina is going that way. One of our youth uh, workers, and just send them that way if they're, um, you know, that age. Not if you're not if you're older and you just don't like the sermon. Um, then. Um, Please, uh, they'll have a great time and enjoy your time there. Well, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and we're going to take up our tithes and our offerings. And uh, thank you for that and for your ongoing support of the church and all that we're doing. Um, You've already heard all the news. They did tell me... Phil, what you do is because you're greeting everybody on the steps as they arrive in all the time, and then you come in, you haven't seen the news, and then you get up and tell all the news again. So, you know, I've got nothing to talk about while they're taking the offering now. So uh, let's talk about the Oilers and the, um, and the Flames. Oh, hallelujah. I feel very conflicted, I'll be honest with you. Oh, I, I went to a friend's house, and he's an Oilers fan, and he's like there, stood on the drive, a typical Albertan, drives a uh, pickup Ram, and uh, says, uh, it's a big deal, Phil. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is big. It hasn't since happened since 1991. I didn't know that. And now I do. Uh, and then, uh, yes, so I should, uh, I should... Should really check up on my date. Oh, thank you, Uh, and get that. And then, then I got home, and then another Albertan turned up at at my house, who's a Calgary Flames fan. So I set my watch to see how long it would take him to talk about it. (laughs) Thirty-five seconds. It's bit, I won't mention who that Albertan was that came to my house that mentioned it, who supports the flames, because I don't want to embarrass Pastor Jordan. Um, <laughs> so I feel, I feel a bit, you know, like there's, there's a division here, the Battle of Alberta, I tell you, oh, I'm, now I'm a Canadian citizen, I have to engage in this, and... <laughs> Everything's changed since I became a Canadian citizen two weeks ago. Beavers are running across my lawn, and 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 beautiful things are happening. I'm I'm just uh, feel touched. I'm I'm weeping maple syrup, and and just feel so different. <sighs> yes, so praise the Lord. There we go. Have we done the offering? <laughs> I, I, uh, last week I was on holiday, and uh, because we've got to get all our holidays in, and because of COVID we haven't been taking holidays because there's been nowhere to go. And suddenly, by the end of this uh, week, we have to get all our holidays in. So I had a week of uh, ten days of holidays, so which was just great. And I went to um, Steinbach uh, for a few days. That's in Manitoba. On holiday, that was good. Um, It was snowing. Um, uh, Good. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And as we uh, gather together, I really want to talk. We've been in the life of David and we're heading towards the end of this teaching season. And uh, I know Pastor Glenn next week is going to be preaching on uh, the building of the temple and the preparation I want to handle uh, Bathsheba and the story of, um, of David's because, you know, often uh, coming to terms with failure and choices and what takes place and the pain of uh, making wrong choices and the effects that wrong choices make in our lives is uh, really important. And also God's redemption in our failure and God's redemption through the hardest and most difficult times. But I was uh, thinking about uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, and chapter 5 and chapter 6 are really linked. Finally, the moment has come. Finally, David, after 20, probably 20 years, or perhaps 17, 18 years of when. A prophet, a judge, a priest turned up at David's house in Bethlehem and there prophesied and anointed him that you will one day be king. But he's had to wait. These decades to get to this point of chapter 5 where the promise of what God had said and what the Lord had spoke and him being pursued, him going through pain, him hiding in caves, the battles that he had, suddenly we find ourselves at chapter 5 and God is promising to fulfil all of those promises that the Lord God gave him to bring it together at this moment. And it it strikes me that I just need to remind you something. Many of you have been holding on for promises in your life. Many of you are believing that God will do something. For some of you, it has been decades. You are praying. You are believing. You are asking God to work. And I just want to say that the very canon of Scripture declares this. It declares that God is faithful. And those promises you're holding on to, do not let go of God. Do not let go of believing. Do not, because the Lord loves you so much. The Lord cares for you. The Lord has seen your ups and your downs. He's seen the wilderness. He's seen the pursuing of the enemy. He's seen the time when you have battled and you've known the promises of God, but it feels like those promises have not been fulfilled yet. Or for some of you, even those I've greeted this morning on the steps, I know your stories. I know your pain. And for the first First time in a long time, you are seeing breakthrough. You're seeing God's deliverance. You're seeing some prayers being answered. Hold on to God. Hold on to God. Hold on to him. He loves you so much. So we get to chapter 5. And all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaign. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will come to be their ruler. This is the moment. He's been waiting for the great moment when God fulfills his promise. He is now ascending. He is now rising to the throne. He is going to take the throne, not only of Judah, but also of the north. And there he's going to unite the tribes of Israel and he is going to be the anointed king. Now historians read this and they criticise it because they say, well, who on earth does, does David think he is? They say, well, David, you know, he wasn't from the Sauline Line line. He wasn't part of Saul's family. And here he is being anointed by the tribe. He's maneuvered. He's got himself in this position. And and they struggle with the fact that that he is now being anointed as king. But they may struggle with it. Secular and critical theologians may struggle with it. But they're missing one point. The point is, is that God's not struggling with it. And God is declaring, I have chosen you. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God has chosen us. He's chosen every one of you. That if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you are chosen. You are the one. That he has called by name. He has redeemed you. He has saved you. He has freed you. He has chosen you. Just like he chose David as a boy, the salvation came to you. The gospel came to you and chose us. And I am no longer lost. I am no longer forsaken. I am a child of the living God. And he's chosen. And that's why. And in verse Here in verse 2 at the end it says you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. It's the first time David is called a shepherd king. And in fact he's the only Israelite king in the history of Israel that's called the shepherd king. He's called to be a shepherd and he's called to rule. And it reminds us, because of the line of David and the line of David and the seed of David will lead to the Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring the true king and the true Jerusalem that will redeem the world and the kingdom of God. We are reminded that his role is to shepherd, his role is to care, his role is to protect. Shepherding wasn't like, as we see in Europe, in those beautiful Worcestershire hills. Easy for me to say, but not for you. Um, (laughs) Worcestershire hills with lovely, lovely sheep. I remember Michelle wrote a blog about us walking the Worcestershire Way, and we walked 37 miles together in two days, and we walked through... Fields and lambs and, and it was lovely. It was, we did it in March. It was gorgeous. We did the Worcestershire way and it was all very ordered and, and sheep. But of course at this time there were no lovely fields. Sheep were everywhere and the job of the shepherd was to do one primary thing. The job of the shepherd was to protect the sheep. And he's been called here to be the protector. He's been called now to protect But I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ is your good shepherd. And you may not realize this or you may not understand it, but he wants to protect you so much. He's with you. He protects you. No other king gets this title. It is a remarkable title. But the one king that does get the title, the one king that will reign for eternity, the one king that will have a dynasty that will never end, the one king that will reign in the new Jerusalem is the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will protect you. He'll not only protect you in life, but he'll protect you in death that I will pass through the shadow of death I will fear no evil I will Know that deliverance even to that day when I meet him face to face because he is our ultimate shepherd. For everything that David represents, Christ is the perfect representation of the seed of David that came into the world to save you, to free you, to vanquish the enemies and to bring freedom. Christ is your good shepherd. That's not easy to hear though sometimes when... When life gets tough, is it? It's not easy. But when all the elders of Israel, verse 3, had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with the Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David as king over Israel. David was 30 years old, as Nick explained, and when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. Verse 6, then the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebunites. It's really interesting that this moment of David's rule is the perfect moment. Egyptians are in crisis. They lost their their empire for this period of time. And what's called the the Sea Peoples, who we don't really know who the Sea People were, but they were a kind of uh, marauding band of of this period, Hell's Angels, that seemed to go around and burn cities, attack. And they were attacking Egypt again and again. These, these people who they, they don't truly know who they were. And it sent Egypt into a crisis. And the north was in the crisis. And while the north was in the crisis in Syria, and Egypt was experiencing these raids that were taken again and again from somewhere in the Mediterranean. And the world was being shaken. It opened the way for a divine moment moment where God anointed David to to rule this nation. And it reminds me again that although it's hard to understand, God's timing is always perfect. That God moves nations, God moves kingdoms, God moves moments. It's timing. And sometimes when I'm struggling with a problem and I'm struggling with timing and I'm wondering about opportunities and I'm wondering about how things work together and I'm wondering what God is doing and I'm wondering if we're ever going to get over COVID and I'm wondering if anybody's ever going to come back to church and I'm wondering this, the Lord reminds me, I move the nations, I move the people and my timing is perfect perfect. And when you look at your life, God's timing is perfect when you commit your life to him. And now it's time. He's a king. He's he's fulfilled. But the one message that comes is that God is always your shepherd. Through the good times and through the bad times. Then the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites, who lived there. And the Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought, David cannot get in here. Look at these words. They, they, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They're, they're bad-mouthing David. They're trashing him. They're, they're going, you've been anointed as king. We've been here since, since, you know, the beginning. We were here since the days when, when your, your armies came into the land and you never conquered us then. You never did it. Joshua didn't do it. You're not going to do it. There's no way you're going to do it. Look at you. Even the blind and the lame. Don't you hate it when people insult you? I do. They're, they're standing on the turrets and they're shouting, you blind and you're lame. Now for those of you that are into British comedy like Monty Python, I'm instantly thinking of the Holy Grail. Some of you know this. When Arthur and his men ride there. Imagine the horses clipping, clopping along, and they arrive at a castle that's full of French people. If you're French, I apologise. And they go, let us in. I am King Arthur. I have come to find the Holy Grail. And they say, oh, no, we do not want you. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smells like elderberry. It goes on. I can see that none of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but in, 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 the, in that great scene, you can Google it, and finally they, they insult them. They say all kinds of things. They throw insults, and finally they catapult a cow over the top of the Torah to land on, on this, this party that arrived. It's kind of like this scene the unite are absolutely convinced that this is, they'll not be conquered. They're so convinced that the words that they speak are insulting. We don't even really understand the reality. There was a saying that came from this that used to be used in Israel that the blind and the lame can't even go to the, to the palace. Nobody really knows what that means, but apparently it was quite witty back then. I've tried to look it up and I've read it all. But, but somehow, but the thing that strikes me is that the opinions and the taunts and the mockery and the criticism that comes against the anointed chosen David has no power because read what the next word is. The next word is this, nevertheless. I love that word Nevertheless. Don't you want that in your life? Nevertheless, people say to you, you'll never do this. People say to this, you, you have not... You won't achieve it. People say to you, you'll never get through this. People say to you, you'll never run that business. People say to you, well, that's never going to happen. And people even say about the church and about Christianity, it's irre- irrelevant. It's useless. It has no purpose. It's part of the past. Nevertheless, God did it. And sometimes what we have to remind ourselves is that when we're moving because David is chosen, David is anointed, David is following the Lord. Nevertheless, what he set his hands to happened because God was with him. And I believe in each of our lives, we need to believe the nevertheless. My grandson has wandered from the faith. Nevertheless, he's given his life to Christ. Nevertheless, I need a breakthrough financially. Nevertheless, God did it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this sickness and this time of darkness. Nevertheless, God brought me through. Nevertheless. I love that word. People have said lots of negative things to me in my life. See, say, well, that that doesn't surprise me, Phil. But um, they have. Michelle's still here, but I'll, I'll tell. She's not on the front row, though. Um, but I tell her, I once I, I, I was dating this girl, oh, it's all gone very quiet, <laughs> I was dating this girl, and I thought, I was just a young, I was starting to get invitations to go preaching. So, so I thought, oh, this would be really good, I'll take her on the first date, uh, I'll take her to where I'm going to preach. So I said to him, would you like to come with me? I'm preaching in North Staffordshire, and we can, you know, drive there, and I can preach, and we can drive back. What an exciting date! I tell you. <laughs> I know how to treat a woman. And I was about 17, just past my driving test. I had a little mini. It was a um, it really, looked, not like these minis you see around here that are kind of big. It's a little mini, and the door was rusty, and it would, drop off and put it back on and it had air conditioning coming through the floor and I drove this as so she got in there and I drove all the way to a place called Chase Terrace you don't know where that is it sounds mystical I know it's not it's horrible and I drove there went to a little chase terrace fellowship hall and preached to the young people got back in felt pretty good and as she's driving along she said well that was interesting i said yeah she said you're not very good are you <laughs> i said she said what do you want to do when you like i said i, I want to be a pastor. i want to be a preacher she said well, i would not do that <laughs> oh no no I would not do it. That was terrible. You were terrible. Honestly. Honestly, what did your dad do for a living? I said, he's a, you know, makes furniture, carpet fitter. He's run, oh, that would be far better for you. You need to be a carpet fitter. I'm like, nevertheless, I'm going to preach. <laughs> anyway, that relationship was over <laughs> when we arrived back to town and I dropped her off. But, I don't know what's been spoken over your life. I don't know what words have been said that you will not achieve, that you can't do this, that you're unable to break that habit, that you're unable to get rid of that difficulty. But I want you to believe that there's the nevertheless over your life. Why? Well, you're chosen, you're a child of God, you're loved. You're loved. You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off, they thought. And David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. And on that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind." who are David's enemies. That is why, they say, the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. That's really, we don't understand what that completely means. I know you'll Google it. But, but the point is, that God gave... David, a belief and a strategy, and he knew that there was one city in the center of his nation that would unite the south and the north, and it was one city that was ordained by God from the beginning to be Jerusalem, and he was moving in the will of God and the power of God and knowing the heart of God, and he was prepared to fight the battle and to see what God was going to do. Jerusalem pivot of, of theology of the new Jerusalem that would come. The place where David would put his throne. It's mentioned, what, 800 times in the Bible, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mentioned as Zion 150 times. It is, it is the place. It is the place where one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return. It is the only city in the world that has two locations. One here on earth and one in heaven. And one day the glory of Jerusalem will return and the city of God will come to this world and there will be a new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. There won't be a human monarch on the throne. It's a symbol. There will be a glorious monarch on the throne and he is the Lamb of God. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. So nothing can stop the will of God. Even the Knights declaring their insults and bad-mouthing him. Nothing can stop that. So what I have to do is get my life in line with the will of God. I've got to wake up to the fact that I am chosen, that the Lord is my shepherd, and that my life How did he do this? It says, doesn't it? It says he did it through the power of Yahweh. Literally by the power of Yahweh. Look at verse 12. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and exalted him, his kingdom, for the sake of his people. That word knew, certainly the word, it's a really interesting word in the Hebrew because it has this message of David perceived. He understood. He saw what God was doing and he saw what was taking place. And that is challenging for each one of us. Because when we're following the promises of God and knowing that God is faithful, although it doesn't feel like it sometimes, to be in a position where we perceive and see what God is actually doing in our lives. I guarantee you, God is doing something in your life. I guarantee you this fact That God wants to do something in your life. And the only thing that is stopping God working and moving in your life is you. But he perceived, he knew, he understood that God was with him that this was divine, that this was a fulfillment, that this was something that was unshakable, that this was something that was unstoppable, because it wasn't just about his brilliance. It wasn't just about his ability. It wasn't about his character, as in his, you know, I'm so awesome, it was completely about that he was centering himself in the will and the purposes of God. And when we centre ourselves and seek and perceive and knew, then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people. Now what is going on here This is all linked back to the Abrahamic covenant. This is linked back to the nine promises that the Lord spoke to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Well, first of all, he said, I will bless you. And secondly, he said, I will make your name great in all the world. And thirdly, he said, I will be your God and I will be your people's God. And fourthly, he said, I will protect you like a shepherd. I will watch over you. Protection. Fifth, he said, I will make you into a great nation. Six. Out of you will come kings, rulers, a seed of a king that will last for eternity. Well, we know who that is, don't we? That is Jesus Christ. Seven. I will give you land. Eight, all the nations will be blessed because of you. Nine, and from your seed will come. See, David is being propelled not just by his own power and own ability, he's been propelled by a divine mission that God is going to set all things right. And this moment, this pivotal moment, is when he's saying God is faithful to his plan. See, the plan goes all the way back to Edom, doesn't it? When in chapter uh, 3 and verse 15, and it declares that, that from the woman's seed will crush the head of the serpent. You see... What God's plan has always been is to crush darkness, to crush death, to crush evil. And he will crush those things through one man. And that man comes from the seed of David. And that man is our saviour. That man is the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That man is my redeemer. He is my friend. He is my king. He is my Lord. And he has crushed darkness. He's crushed it. And this is all part of the plan from here all the way through to the New Testament, to the New Jerusalem, to the moment, to the moment. And David goes on to defeat the Philistines who they've not been able to defeat. He defeats them twice. But how does he defeat them? By obeying and listening to the voice of the Lord. He says, how shall I do this? First of all, he says, go this way. Secondly, when you battle, when you hear the sound in the poplar trees and the wind blowing, that's the moment to move. God was specific. God guided him. He was victorious. And it says that he carried away the gods of the Philistines. But the important thing here is that David always listened and obeyed the instructions of the Lord in his life. Whereas Saul never did, did he? So let's back up and finish. Let me remind you, first of all, that you and I are loved and chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. That salvation is a gift. And you are chosen. Like David. Let me remind you secondly. That the words spoken over your life that says you will never get in here. You will never achieve this. You will never be able to do this. You are this. Whoever's put you into a box. I want to declare that the nevertheless stands over you. Because the will of God will be done. I want to remind you. That for you and I to live is to perceive what God is doing in our lives. Like David perceived it. Perceive how God's building your family. Perceive how God is speaking. Perceive how God is leading you. And finally, verse 19. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go back and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered. Look at that. The Lord answered. That we have to be obedient people that listen to the word of God. Let me tell you something I utterly believe. Is that God always wants to speak to you. And when you open the scriptures and you spend time in his word and you spend time praying and you spend time seeking, God will speak to you. He is there. He cares about you. He is with you. He is on that journey. When I look at these points, I'm reminded that the perfect example of all of this is the Lord Jesus Christ. The chosen one, the good shepherd, the one who functioned in the anointing of Yahweh's power, the one that always knew and perceived the hearts of all mankind, the one who always obeyed his father and only did what his father was asking him to do, the one. What an amazing, amazing way to live. And as we come to communion, all that has been achieved was achieved beautifully through Christ's death on the cross. You see, when Christ died on the cross, he defeated the Philistines of this world. He defeated evil. When Christ died on the cross, he took away our sins and he replaced it with his goodness, God's righteousness, that we are forgiven. He is our good shepherd. He's the one that was truly chosen. He's the seed of David and He is the one who is the fulfillment of everything. If you want to know God and God's love and God's nature and God's character, look at the person of Jesus Christ. Look at him, how he treated Look at the way. And even at this moment, if you feel like the Jebusites have spoken words of disrespect into your life, then bring those words to the foot of the cross and break their power in your life. And say, those words will not be over me. They will not be over me. Because nevertheless, God is with us. God is with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the emblems that we hold together as church. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for the wine. And we thank you that the whole of the great story of of the scriptures leads to this moment on the cross. And I pray that each one of us will know what it is to know that we are loved and chosen by God. That you are our good shepherd. That the impossible can be possible when you lead us and guide us. That we want to live our lives through the power of the Spirit and perceive what God is doing always. And we want to listen and obey your commands. We want to listen, Lord. We want to hear. the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed he took bread and he broke it saying this is my body which is broken for you thank you Lord for the bread eat this in remembrance of me my sacrifice my body broken my life given the body of Christ broken for you. Same manner, he took the cup and he poured it out, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, my new covenant, that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord, that I'm clean, that I'm forgiven, and that I'm redeemed. The blood of Christ that takes away. Just take a moment and ask the Lord what he wants to speak to you through the message, what he'd like you to deal with, Or maybe for a moment, bring that real problem to him. speak Lord I'd just like to pray a prayer maybe as every head's bowed maybe you feel like words have been spoken over your life that are in your mind but you want the nevertheless to happen if that's you for a moment just slip up your hand and put it down again so I know Say, Pastor Phil, pray for me. I've got these words spoken over my life. Father, right now I pray for each person that has had the words of the Jebusites spoken over them, that has told them that they are this, that they are that, that they will not, they cannot. It will not happen. It is impossible, you are not capable, you are not good enough, you are not loved enough. And I declare that in the power of Christ and the love of God, those words broken in Jesus' name, broken in Jesus' name. we're we going to stand and sing. I'm going to invite the elders, the pastors, and now Stuart and others in the prayer ministry team to come and just be available here. And as we sing, if you want prayer for anything we've touched on, I don't want you going away feeling, oh, I, could have, I need to pray this through. I needed to agree with somebody. I needed my body, needed prayer for healing. I needed, I needed uh, fortitude to keep going. Then... Um, then come, on, um, come and join us and, um, and we will be praying for you down at the front and uh, uh, the elders are here and Pastor Nick will coordinate down here and so let's, uh, let's stand together and worship together.